Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. Welcome to our second season where we discuss life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I'm extremely excited to welcome Jeff Olson to the show. Jeff has been someone that people have reached out to me about to have him on the show. So today he is here. And in 1997, Jeff experienced a horrific car accident. The accident caused multiple life-threatening injuries, including crushing both his legs. He had 18 surgeries and spent six months in the hospital. His left leg was amputated above the knee. The most devastating outcome of the accident was the loss of his wife and youngest son, both killed instantly. Overwhelmed by the injuries his body suffered, Jeff had a profound near-death experience in which he met his wife on the other side, who told him he couldn't stay and had to return. Having that glimpse into heaven gave him the courage he needed to carry on and care for his living son. He has since remarried and adopted two more sons. According to Jeff's website, his greatest joy comes from being a husband and father. His mission is to assist people in consciously embracing who they are and the connection they share with others and the universe. And for those of you who didn't have a chance to listen to Jeff O'Driscoll's interview I did a while back, Jeff O'Driscoll and Jeff Olson, who's here today, shared the experience. Jeff O'Driscoll was in the emergency room when they brought you in, Jeff. So beyond your bio, I know you've told your story thousands and thousands of times. And if people want to read the whole thing, they can find your books and online. But can you tell us briefly as briefly as you possibly can in this circumstance, what, what happened to you? Yeah, I, I, and I will be brief, and we can get into that. But, but as you outlined, there was a horrible car accident. Um, I wasn't aware of my injuries in the accident. I, I mean, the adrenaline, the first thing I heard was my son crying, and I wanted to get to my son. And I, I thought he's okay. But in the mayhem there is when I realized that my wife and youngest son were not okay, that they had actually passed. And I was aware of that at the scene. And then I felt myself um, losing consciousness. I did have excruciating pain. I was, you know, panicked. It was a horrible, horrible thing. But suddenly there was calm. And it felt as if I was rising above the accident. And it felt as if I was surrounded by light. And as you touched upon in that, in that space is where Tamara, my wife, who I knew was deceased at the scene of the accident, showed up within that circle of light, if you will. And, and she was emphatic that I come back. Now, everything felt like a choice. In fact, I fully embraced that there's always free will and choice. But um, in that moment, I decided to come back. And that was interesting as well, because as I made the choice and said the most profound goodbye I'll ever say, I, uh, I found myself wandering or moving about a hospital, seeing the doctors and the nurses and the patients and the families of the patients. But I was seeing people at a complete different level. I mean, I, I knew them. I knew their love, their hate, their joy, their peace. I... I knew everything about them as if they were me. And there was this absolute oneness, this connection. And it didn't matter who they were or 
what they had done or hadn't done, everyone seemed like family. And it, there was this divine oneness um, until I came to my own body, which was brutally battered. I mean, yeah, both legs were crushed. The seatbelt had cut through and ruptured my insides. My right arm was almost torn off. My rib cage was damaged and my lungs had been collapsed. You know, anyway, I, I knew I had to get back in that body. And um, in making that choice, back into the pain, the grief, the regret, the guilt, the trauma. And, and as you mentioned, um, Dr. Jeff O'Driscoll was one of the attending level one trauma physicians. I'd been extricated from the car and actually life-lighted to that facility. But he had profound experiences too, where he encountered my wife who had passed or her spirit in the actual trauma room or ER room. Um, yeah, almost six months in the hospital, atrium uh, surgeries in total, and profound experiences between this realm and that realm during those months, uh, one of which at the end of my hospital stay, I actually got to see my youngest son who had passed and say goodbye to him as well um, and, and did so while in the arms of God, if you will, the divine. I was being held by what I call the divine creator, but I had a huge download then about who we are and, and what, uh, you know, what we uh, are here for in this life. So that's a, that's a very brief synopsis, and we could go deep, deep, deep into any topic or any of those issues. I mean, um, actually, Dr. O'Driscoll was teasing me the other day. He says, if somebody's lost a spouse, Jeff, they could certainly talk to you. If they've lost a child, they could certainly talk to you. If they've lost a limb, they could certainly talk to you. And, and uh, I added, gosh, you know, the hardest part of us all is, is I almost lost myself and, and literally had to regain that. And... Mm-hmm. And that was um, maybe the most profound part of all of it. Well, and today we're going to kind of dig into some of that because you and I did a pre-call a couple weeks ago. And I always do pre-calls with my guests to kind of figure out, okay, what's a different angle that we could take at this? Because I've had near-death experiencers on. I know your story's been out for quite some time. Lots of people have heard it. So, and and had I recorded that interview, our conversation, I think it would have been a great conversation to just air, but I didn't. Um, But I wanted to talk about what we talked about on that call, which was that we are sort of on a bubble of what I talked about, what I'm calling this episode, which was a a consciousness revolution. Mm -hmm. And you... And I kind of were going back and forth. But what are your thoughts on sort of where we are, having the perspective that you have, having almost lost yourself, and kind of where we are today as a society, as individuals in a society, and how your experience has kind of informed all of this? It's a great question. It really is. And um, I, I call it the awakening. I mean, I feel like there's this awakening. Now, you look at the news or even out the window, it doesn't matter. And it seems like we're so divided. I mean, this country is divided. We're in turmoil, whether that's, you know, gender or political party or race or religion or whatever it is. Um, And yet that is not the truth of who we are. You know, in my experience, having experienced that oneness, that connection, 
and an absolute unconditional love, you know, love without conditions, it, it was very hard to come back into this realm and to look around and say, wow. But then on the flip side of that, having had a glimpse of true unconditional love and true connection, it's all I wanted to create. Now, at first it was very lonely. I was very depressed. I was very, oh gosh, where's all the love I felt in that other realm? Where is it here? But at one point I began to stop looking outside of myself and literally realize, mm. well, gosh, if I want to experience that love, maybe it comes from within. Maybe by being that, I'll experience that. And I don't know that anything changed in the world necessarily except my perception. And, and it, it, it was quite a journey. I mean, it started with the near-death experience. And everyone, I mean, it's been 20 years. So, you know, I mean, I couldn't even speak of the accident for five years without weeping. And then it took 10 years to kind of process it. And about year 11 is when I really started opening up and talking about it because I was seeing the world differently. Number one, I had begun to actually forgive myself. I was driving the car. I mean, the guilt that came with that. I was sober. I was going the speed limit. I, you know, it was an accident. But I also learned that there is no accidents. In these glimpses to the other side, when I was asking mm -hmm. these profound questions of why, you know, why, 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 the echo would come back, no what? Don't ask why it happened to you and why they both died and why you lost your leg. Perhaps you should ask, what can I do with this? What can I learn from this? What can I create? in empathy and in love and in a ripple effect of, of, of simply being love in this world. But this awakening, I, I feel That's amazing, though, that I just okay. want to pause for a second, because that question, so often we get caught up in the why me oh, question. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I had a supervisor years ago who said, why not you? <laughs> you know, like... And, and it sort of turned things on its head. It's like, but, but what you're saying is, what can I do with this? And I think for some people, it's so difficult to take their experience and turn it into, well, what can I do with this? Because the, the pain and the sadness is so profound. Yeah, it's overwhelming. And yet, you know, and, and it may be, you know, I, I, I know I was, what, um, lucky, you know, blessed or whatever, but had I not had the narrative experience, I might have been the guy strung out on some corner still saying why, you know. But in that near-death experience, I, I, I had a very profound realization that actually, you know, God wasn't doing it to me. I had believed that. I grew up in a good Christian home, and I thought God was testing me, and I was probably failing, and why would he do this to me? You know, I mean, all these thoughts we we have and yet in those other realms I realized oh wow life wasn't a test no one did this to me my soul at some cosmic conscious level created the perfect experiences for me in this realm to expand my soul and even even those that passed my wife and son they played their perfect part to play out this this cosmic stage of what would expand me like nothing else ever would, and I had chosen it, and everyone had agreed, even the entire universe had supported it. And it's like, wow, so there's no one to blame. 
no one to find fault with, not even myself. I can't even, I mean, the only person I really could blame was myself. And yet in this cosmic place of accountability saying, wow, you mean I created it? I, 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 I chose into it. I took part in it willingly so that my soul could experience things that it could experience no other way. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that was, that was part of the awakening and the, the forgiving and the moving through it, but also the seeing others in a different light. I mean, I, I, I admit before the accident, I was, I was somewhat judgmental, you know, and, uh, well, that's their fault. Well, they made their own bed, you know, and now I see mm-hmm. everything as this divine, beautiful path. And it's like, wow, that's an interesting path different than mine but I can honor that and I can see the divinity in everything around me, even the chaos. That's the crazy thing. I mean, I look at our political situation mm-hmm. and all that's going on and you say, what a mess. But then in that awakening or that awareness or that consciousness revolution, you say, yeah, but this is probably perfect to expose and to, and to grow and to get us exactly where we, uh, where we want to go in the end. I work mm-hmm. with a lot of indigenous people and I love it because they talk about darkness and they even have many, many symbols, but darkness is soil. It's the deep, dark earth to grow in. And so when those dark nights of the soul come and sometimes they can be long and very dark, it's like, yeah, but what is, what is the, the soil to grow in? What is the lesson to learn and where's the soul's expansion? In the end, there's mm-hmm. nothing but, um, you know, but gratitude. It's like, oh, thank you. I would have I would have learned this no other way. Well, and I think you know, thinking about things now and just listening to what you're saying, when we think about what's going on in the world right now and how dark it does feel and how much I mean, even just, you know, we're recording on January sixth, just in the past couple days with the wildfires in Australia and the bombing in Iran and you know, these things that feel so heavy and yet out of this darkness, hopefully certainly comes so much love and outpouring, you know, particularly I think with the Australian wildfires, you see just people wanting to help, wanting to do more. And it's, it seems like, why can we not get there on a small scale every day without it needing to be these catastrophic experiences it's like we're not listening yeah, no, I, I i i agree and it is a shame it's like wow we do so well when when it really hits the fan you know why can't we do mm-hmm. the little- as humanity as yeah, humanity yeah. why can't we do the little things every day to make the world a better place why can't we choose love on any given tuesday you know for any given stranger passing instead instead of having to you know have these crazy fires or wars or catastrophes happen before we finally dig deeper and say, what really matters? You know, what really matters? And, um, I, I, when I say, but it's perfect because maybe this is what gets us there. Maybe we finally decide as humanity, well, let's change it. Let's change our way of being. Let's change the way we are. Let's take care of the earth in a different way. Let's, you know, I mean, I, I think it's in our hands to, uh, to, in many ways, create our own destiny. It's just that we've got to choose to do it. And do you think that this time feels different than other times have where there's been catastrophes like this? Or do you feel like it always ebbs and flows? And 
I mean, to me, I've, I don't remember my past lives if I had them <laughs> from before. Um, I'm assuming that, you know, as we look back through time, there were always catastrophic events like this that maybe for a period of time things got better and then they sort of ebbed again. Is that just the nature of humanity or does it really feel like we're on the cusp of a consciousness shift? I think we're on a cusp. I think we do go secular. You see these cycles and these things have happened and we tend to go through this you know, this, uh, what, prosperity and, and goodness, and then we tend to get proud and then fall into despair when some catastrophe happens, and then it puts us back on track a little bit to where we go back on top. I mean, it does seem to be secular, but I think at, at some point, and it feels very, very close to me, we spin off. We're going to break out of that cycle and say, no more. Let's do it differently. Let's make a different choice, and let's collectively raise our consciousness in a way where love rules, where we're not so prone to kill each other and rob each other or, 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 or molest the earth the way we do. I mean, at some point we, we, we could say, gosh, there's got to be a different way. And, uh, and then choosing into it and letting that ripple out in the entire world. So I think people who are listening to the show might feel like you have to have had a near-death experience or some spiritual transformative experience to live more consciously. Like if you, if what had happened to you had just happened to you and you didn't have an NDE, you might have been the guy standing on the street corner, which we'll talk about that in, in a little bit because yeah. you did that. Um, but so how would one who hasn't had this, how can we incorporate it into our everyday lives? Because I had a spiritually, I don't know if it would be fit the definition of a spiritually transformative experience, but I've had visits and that transformed me. So I guess maybe it is a spiritually transformative experience. But yet it wasn't as ineffable as yours was. And I think that that's sort of that piece that uh, yes, it, it, people it, have had that experience. Every bit as profound as mine. I mean, that's the thing. Don't ever discount those little things because I, I'm very clear. No one has to die or have a horrible accident or lose loved ones to have a transformative spiritual experience. Um, you know, we call this near death because we almost died, but that. Well, you really well, yeah, did, did die. die. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, then my friends tease me and say, you're the only guy we know that got kicked out of heaven. And, um, <laughs> and, and yet, you know, yeah, it doesn't, that's not necessary. You do not have to have that. I, I know people that, you know, I mean, I've had times in my own life where, gosh, I was, I, and I, I can reflect on this. I wrote about it in my book, knowing it's, it's like my safe place. I was sitting on the back patio. I had just cut the lawn. This was well before the accident. I was listening to the sprinklers, you know, that and the sun was setting and my little son, actually the one that survived the accident with me was probably about three and he climbed up on my lap and there was this profound knowing that this is as good as it gets. Like heaven's right here. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do or become. And yet, you know, that was so fleeting, but, but anyone could have a transformative experience for any reason. And they're every bit as profound 
as the ones that 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 have a horrible accident or may leave their bodies for any uh, given amount of time and and there's there's no you can't ever compare you know spiritual awakenings it, it just you that they're so individual they're so personal um but it's not necessary that you you die anybody could do this i mean Meditation. When, when I when I when Dr. Jeff uh, and I go out, we often we often do a little experiment. We'll tell people this, and, and this is something you can do. Like you could do it right now or any any given day. People say, "Well, gosh, I want that connection. I want that inspiration. I want that experience. That spiritual, you know, download." And and it's like, "Well, do this. Go somewhere where it's quiet. Close your eyes, and simply ask the question." What can I do for someone else today? It's not about you, you know. I mean, what can I do for someone else? And I, I promise you, you'll have an idea. You'll have a thought. Someone's face will appear in your mind's eye. You might even have that thing like, gosh, I got to text mom today. You know, I mean, it, it can be the simple, littlest thing. And yet that's how it works. You know, I mean, we're, we're that connected. Have you ever had that? Like, you know, you'll call a friend and they'll say, oh, my gosh, I was just thinking about you. And it's like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, or, or, or wow, I was just going to say that. Or a song comes on the radio and it's like, wow, the lyrics to that song are the answer to the question I was just pondering in my head and nobody would have ever known. There's these weird and beautiful, um, I, I call them the, the, the synchronicities of life and of that right. if we're aware of it, happen all the time and they're every bit as powerful as a near-death experience or as some you know, wild thing that happens. Well, and I think your point is, and I, I'm assuming this was how the near-death experience was on some level, is that it feels so fleeting, right? Like you just want to hold on to it longer to feel that. Like just the joy of, like I, my boys were holding hands together at the airport and they're 10 and 6. And I remember I had a moment where I looked at them and I was like, oh, I don't want this to end. Like, I just, it's so delicious to watch them hold hands because I know that won't be, you know, I know that in a year or two, that won't happen anymore. And so that for me, what you're saying is that could have been a little spiritually transformative experience. Yeah, it will. And and indeed it it is. And it was. And, uh, And there's many things like that. Uh, you know, it took me years to even process my near-death experience. It changed everything. Religion didn't make sense anymore. That was turned inside out. You know, life meant a great deal, but the things around me didn't make any sense. And, and it was a, it was a, it was a, you know, it was a process of of working through it and contemplating it. Um, it, it feels like it was yesterday, even though it was 20 years ago. I, I mean, it's as fresh as if it happened yesterday. But I've, I've had those moments. I took my this was years ago. It, it's my son who he's he's our youngest. He's now 19 years old and six foot three inches tall. But I remember taking him for a little hike, and and I I have a prosthetic limb now that I walk on, and it's not easy for me to get on rough terrain. And it was an easy trail, so I could walk it, but he could kind of see that you know I was limping and struggling a little bit as we we're getting up the hill, and he was probably eight or nine, and he came and held my hand just like you said, seeing your boys hold those hands and and. And yet he was at that weird stage where his little boy hand was becoming a young man hand, you know? And I, I remember mm-hmm. having that moment where I thought, gosh, he may never hold my hand again. 
my little boy, the, the youngest, my baby, is growing up. And isn't it wonderful to just feel his hand in mine as we walk? Because I might not, this might never, ever happen again. You know, it's, that, and that, like you said, the delicious moments of wow. And, and that's what I've learned is that every moment is an absolute gift. It's a sacred gift. And in every moment, we, we have a choice, you know, to relish it, uh, to savor it, or even if you're angry about it. I mean, now it's like, gosh, thank goodness I can feel angry. Isn't it cool to have all the emotions? I know I won't be angry hmm. five minutes from now, but isn't it awesome to have the whole spectrum of human experience? Mm-hmm. Wow. So let's talk about your prosthetic limb because you sent me a video where you were a homeless man. You, you dressed up as a homeless yeah. man in Utah, where you're from, and you did an immersion experience, I call it. I had to do an immersion experience in grad school where I had to put myself in a situation that made me very uncomfortable. And you just asked for hugs. Uh, yeah, well, and I didn't even, it was interesting. In fact, I'll give you the backstory. My prosthetic limb had broken. It was not working properly, and it was right mm. around Christmas time. And so I was going around on crutches, and one of my buddies came by the house to visit, and uh, he deserves half the credit. I, I, you know, he says, gosh, you're wandering around on crutches. And I says, yeah, you know, I could probably go, I said, I could probably go down the street corner and panhandle. I mean, it started as kind of a, you know, a, a lighthearted conversation, but then I thought, Gosh, mm -hmm. that could have been me. I could be that guy down, you know, begging for whatever. And and we had this conversation, and he had a little handheld camera, but we, we did. I, I went down on crutches, um, and I made a little cardboard, you know, cardboard sign that that it simply said, I, I just want a hug. And um, it was interesting to stand there and watch all the people pass by and literally ignore me. You know, they would look, I mm. mean, and here I was with one leg on crutches and holding a little sign and they, they would, they didn't read the sign. They were just rushing by and, and making me invisible. And, and I'll never forget the first person. And this is what's so key in our society and humanity. It only takes one, you know, it only takes mm. one person to stand up and, and make a difference and take a stand. So I'm standing there. And I'll never forget, it's probably a young woman in her 20s. I mean, she was young, like a college student. But she was in this bright red coat, and she was holding a Starbucks, you know, coffee. And she saw me, and she looked at the sign, and she just came right over and threw her arms around me. No worries. You know, she just came over and threw her arms around me, gave me a big hug, and laughed. And I said, thank you. And as soon as she did that, gosh, there was just people coming and lining up, you know, to come give hugs and we, we, we had made a little plan, like anybody that gave me a hug, I, I, had a, I, I, had, I had some $10 bills in my pocket and I would hand them money and say, thank you for doing it. The crazy huh. thing is, and this was just an observation, the people that came and hugged me were the college student or the, the single mom with a bunch of kids. It was, and they were coming over um, to help. They wanted to assist me. They, they would all say, can we give you some money? Can we buy you a hot drink? Can we? And I'm like, no, 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 I've got something for you. You know, and I would give them a, a little spot of a tenor, but, but it was interesting to see those that had compassion that would come and it was beautiful. 
What do you feel like that showed you about humanity and people's capacity to either embrace or, or look well, away? I mean, we have both capacities. Within every one of us is the choice and the ability to have compassion or look away. But what I learned, number one, was we just want to be seen. People just want to be seen and noticed and acknowledged. And, uh, and I also realized how simple the choice is. So simple to turn and walk away, but it's, it's every bit as simple just to turn and give a hug or even give a smile. You know, I mean, those little mm-hmm. things we do every day, the, the grandest thing we might do is turn and smile at a stranger when we're passing in the street. And we so often don't do that. Because we're just looking at our phones. Right. I get in the elevator at work sometimes and say hi to people. And they look at me like I have like 12 heads. <laughs> like I'm just saying hi. Yeah. yeah. What's up with her? Yeah. No, I mean, is it, it's mm-hmm. a shame that we've become so disconnected when in reality we're all connected. We just, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the other thing that you said that's so interesting, and I remember when we first talked, we talked about this, was that that could have been you. And I think that if we all kind of think back to moments in our lives where we chose one path or another, a path that could have taken us in an entirely different direction, but but for what? You know, some people would say, but for the sake of God, if you don't believe in God, <laughs> just putting out like, but for question yeah, but, mark, but for something. What, yeah. what made, you know, what, what was the reason you aren't that and you are this, right? Well, and it, it's, it's, yeah, I could say, well, it's a choice, but, but yeah, it, 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 there is, there's a Scottish, an old Scottish saying that says, but for the grace of God, there go I. And, and I suppose there is grace. I don't, I don't use religious words. I, I'm not so much religious now as spiritual, you know. Mm-hmm. But to me, grace means unconditional love. And, you know, even now mm. I still read biblical verse and they'll say, well, you're saved by grace. And I, would, and I, I insert you're saved by unconditional love. Love that has conditions. That's mm. what buoys us all up. And the interesting thing is we're never not with that. On a on a on a cosmic divine level, we we've 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 never we're never out of grace. We're always embraced in unconditional love. We just don't know it. We don't remember it. And so we have to continue to keep seeking to find it. Is that if we don't remember that embrace? Well, seeking to find it, I think it'd be better to say to choose it, <laughs> to simply choose it, be it. You know, okay. I mean, that there's. Uh, to embody it, I yeah, guess, yeah. right? I, I was reading a thing from Albert Einstein. I'll probably butcher the quote, but he was saying, energy is everything. Um, that's all there is to it. You know, it, in other words, you've, you've got to match the frequency of what you want, and you cannot help but having come to you. Mm. And I, again, mm-hmm. I butchered the quote, but, he, but he, he went on to say, this, this is not philosophy. This is physics. This is how the world works. This is how photons attract and so i've i've simplified it to say i can only get to where i'm coming from so if i want to experience love and peace and joy then i've got to come from that space of love and peace and joy and it seems to uh to work just like physics that that's what happens and that's that's certainly what happened in the experiment of the one-legged homeless man in the hug you know yeah mm-hmm. Well, and I think this is sort of a great 
place to kind of wrap this up is is to your point like if you want to be love and peace and joy then you have to begin to embody love and peace and joy and anything else positive that you want to put in there for yourself because I think as we start this new year and people make all these resolutions and think about all of these you know diets and sleep and whatever other resolutions people make this time of year really it is about embodying those positive qualities and bringing those in as often as you can and that's not I don't think to say you can never feel anger or sadness or you know any disgust or fear but to really recognize those let them go and bring in that love yeah, and I, joy. And you put that so well, recognize them, allow yourself to feel angry or sad or whatever it is, but realize that will pass. And, 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 and mm-hmm. to the degree that you feel sad will be the degree that you'll feel joy on the other side of that, you know? And so it is, it is the duality we live within, but I think, um, gosh, we've got to experience the darkness to even understand what light is. And you certainly have. And so can you just wrap up today by telling us where your life is now and how full your life is now? And people can certainly read your books and I'll have you direct them to where to do that. But just a, a brief a brief synopsis, if possible, as to how things 20 years later look 20 years you. later, it looks way different. Now, don't get me wrong. I still have my bad days. You know, I still have the whole scale of emotions and I still have all kinds of challenges in my life but I've decided to choose joy, to choose to be joyful and to choose to be grateful. And um, yeah, certainly you can read about that in, in my book, Knowing, you can get it on Amazon. But, uh, but yeah, every day is a new beginning, a new chance to make choices. And uh, as we make choices, we always experience the results of those choices. So I'm, I'm choosing joy and light. Well, thank you so, so much. People can find you where well, exactly? I'm, I'm, I'm on social media. It's Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y, middle initial C, Olson, O-L-S-E-N. They can go to my website, which is envoypublishing.com. Um, Envoy is French for messenger, messenger publishing, envoypublishing.com. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, email me, send me a note. I'm, I'm pretty accessible. Yeah, and I think you're always, from what I certainly heard from some of my listeners who encouraged me to reach out, you're always so helpful and warm and welcoming. And I know you have been that way, certainly with my request for an interview. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And I was thrilled to have you on today. And thank you so very much for your time and for your beautiful story and your beautiful heart. It's an honor, Amy. Thank you for having me. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.